Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Good morning. As you can hear, my voice is a little bit rough. I've had fairly intense preaching sequence over the last few weeks, but uh, I'll be meeting Glenda tonight in Melbourne, and I think this voice will be quite a sexy advantage. <laughs> she just falls apart when she hears that. Even the men are running up now too. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Gideon and Catherine, for, for having us. And um, Chad and myself have, have felt so honored here, and it feels like home. Can we be harmonites? Yes. Okay, if we, we can, we're only harmonites because we live in another city. But if I lived in Christchurch, this would be very much where I would base in this church because this feels like home to us. I feel like we belong here. It feels like family. It feels like the same atmosphere in Hong Kong. So uh, just different color faces, just, that's all. <laughs> different language. But uh, what a joy it's been to be here. And uh, I really want to say it again, if you missed the conference, I really encourage you to get Chad's teaching because it was breathtaking in the panoramic view and the sequence and the narrative and um, it made me so hungry to know the Bible better. Um, after 40 years in frontline ministry, I said, oh, God, I need to get to know your word better. And I really feel that's very accessible and not difficult. Yeah. I, I think the way Chad's doing it is just so inviting. It's workable. It can be done. Uh, it's not something that you dream and hope you could do. It's so workable and so practical. Yeah. And uh, so, she. <clears throat> You know, it's, it's, we missed last year, and um, it's so great to come back two years after our last visit. And I said to, to Gideon and Catherine that on the first night, well, just to come into this building was just phenomenal for me because the last time I was here, it was just an empty eggshell and a concrete floor. And I remember prophesying things about this building and what's going to happen here. But to walk in on Friday night and see the setup, it's just so attractive. There's just such an atmosphere in this, in this building. Apart from me needing to be delivered from a spirit of jealousy, I just really love your building. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad I'm not under the law because I'm really coveting. But anyway, apart from that, it's just, it's just like God's endorsement of you guys. He's just processing you and positioning you and aligning you and calibrating you for greater and greater capacity and impact. And he is inviting you to ever-expanding horizons of favor and influence. And don't underestimate what is happening because it's been eight years, I think, your history. But really, God has done a lot of, done a quick work in eight years when you started off with almost nothing. And uh, he's going to continually accelerate you. And you need to get ready and you need to position yourself for more and more leaders to come through because he's gonna, that's going to be very important. You're going to grow into the multiple hundreds and it's never about numbers because to go after numbers is a big mistake because if it's just about numbers, it pollutes our hearts and we just look for any kind of technique to get people in the building. And the, the goal is not to get people in the building. The goal is to fill people with the Spirit of God, to fill people with His glory. <clears throat> 
But, and so when you build in a healthy way with healthy leaders that empower the people, then the church does grow in numbers and God will give the increase. And so, and so you will be a church of multiple thousands. No question about that. That's in the DNA. That's in the footprint of this house. That's the signature. And uh, you've got a message to give. You've got something to give Christ Church. And so never be embarrassed or never feel uh, concerned about the price to be paid or the persecution that could come with increased profile and influence. When you're small, there's a certain battle you have to fight, and that's to survive. That's just to stay on the map. That's just to hold yourself there, your holding, and, and just stay there. And there's a great fight when you start in your small, unknown group in obscurity. But the fight shifts and changes when you start growing as you are now in multiple hundreds. And as you grow into more, more profile, the fight changes because there are people that don't like you growing and the devil certainly doesn't want you to grow. And there are people that just don't like success because they uh, get threatened by it. And uh, you're not here to threaten anyone. You're not here to fight anyone. You're here to love everyone. But when you, you've got to say, Lord, I choose success. I'm willing to be successful. I'm willing to be fruitful. And I'm willing to multiply. Every church that grows has to make some sacrifices. Things change as you're growing. You don't always have things the same as they were before. And you have to give up certain things, but you gain much more. But the greatest thing you gain is more people get saved, more more people are going to go to heaven. More marriages get turned around and blessed. More people get healed. More people get delivered. More people get activated in their assignment. Can you say amen? amen? And so it's worthwhile just making those transitions. As you grow, there's another transition and another transition. So I just want to read something for leaders here for a moment. And I hope there's enough light here so that my... Uh, let me see here. I, I just want to read something... Um, uh, on, on leadership, yeah, that's just take me a couple of minutes. I want to get right into the message. And, um, and I, I want to give, I've got 15 books here, and I want to give this, them away to 15 leaders here today. So uh, get yourself ready. You need to be a leader. Gideon will know, Catherine will know if you are a leader. So they will uh, send you back to your chair if you run up. No, no if you're that... If you're that hungry for leadership and you get your first, you deserve one of these books because that means you will be a leader, okay? This is about leadership, and nothing really happens without leadership. A church rises or falls on the level of its leadership, and not just the senior leaders. It's all the volunteers, everyone who's leading in, in any capacity. That is a very powerful thing. People don't want to be leaders today because we live in such an egalitarian democratic world today that people just want this kind of secular humanistic leveling. But I tell you that you, that you need to rise up in leadership because leadership takes boldness and it takes courage because your mistakes become more conspicuous when you get the profile. And you, it's, it's, I'm such a good rugby player from the armchair. When I'm on my couch with peanuts and a beer, I can play rugby better than anybody. I just cannot believe the scrum off put the ball in so badly because I was a scrum off at rugby. And I'm just so brilliant. I mean, my wife is so impressed with my knowledge of rugby. But then she'll say to me, yeah, but what would, what would happen if you were out there on that? I said, I'd be dead in about 10 seconds. 
And so it's very dangerous to be inactive in the church. It's very dangerous to be a passive observer because you develop passive aggression and passive criticism. And really our hearts need to be so pure right now. It needs to be so clean in these days because we're living at the climax and the consummation of the ages. God is summing up history in Jesus and he's destined you to be 11th hour workers. He didn't change, he didn't choose the great leaders of the past centuries to be alive today in Christ church. He chose you to be born in the exact time and place to be here in this church, in Harmony Church, which has been raised up with a clear, beautiful message of grace. So a quick introduction how this book was born. In 2012, my son Ryan and I had the privilege of being invited to speak to the leadership of a megachurch in Malaysia. As always, when influential men or women believe we can serve them in beneficial ways, I felt incredibly honored. These wonderful men and women of God were so hungry to see the church increasing in influence in this prophetically pivotal nation of Malaysia. We were treated to the most excellent hospitality, even their joy and laughter at our struggling to eat the notorious, if not nefarious, durian fruit was a delightful time. What, what a great atmosphere of receptivity and celebration we experienced as we ministered there. On the third day of the conference, I felt a little tired. So instead of going to the tea break, I went outside and stood alone under the shade of a giant fig tree, quietly enjoying the presence of God. Suddenly I heard the voice of my father on the inside of me. The tone was so tender and kind, but what I heard shocked me. He said, Rob, you are a good leader, but you are not yet a great leader. <laughs> I said, Lord, I love you and I want to be a great leader. There was a total absence of condemnation in Holy Spirit's voice, but it was filled with grace and faith and affirmed and elevated my desire to be more effective and fruitful for him. I knew he was telling me this to lift me to new levels. I asked, how do I transition from good leadership to great leadership? He immediately began to fill me, on, fill me in on the missing links I still needed in my leadership. Have you ever felt there, was something, there were missing links in your leadership and inner certainty that there is more for you to develop in as a leader? If you want to develop great leadership in your life to benefit others around you, then I believe this book will help you. My desire that as you read through this book is that you discover the secret of developing true confidence and why that is different to mere defiance. How confidence gives you a clear sense of direction and how to focus that direction with laser-like effect. How to put your focus on steroids by understanding the power of synergy. How to, how to develop the ability, the habit, the attitude of winning. And then how to create a culture of winning around you. How to set your heart at the highest level. How to recognize the essential difference between a strong leader and a dictator. It's very important today because in our egalitarian, humanistic politically correct society, any leader that leads with strength and clarity of vision is called a dictator, a neo-Nazi. Whatever they say is to intimidate. But there's a big difference between a dictator and a strong leader, and the church needs strong leaders today. What is legitimate authority and what is counterfeit authority? 
How to create an atmosphere that becomes a climate that's sustaining a culture which is capable of incubating and accelerating godly dreams and imaginations into fulfillment. How to create a safe environment for people to connect with their destiny while staying, lo staying loyal to the local church and God. How to treasure and take hold of ownership for the sphere of influence God has called you to steward faithfully. How to remain accountable in the healthy fear of God by protecting the sphere he has given you from predators and parasites. How to grow in wisdom and be a supernatural leader living in the balance of bravery and caution. The missing links to great leadership is the distilled essence of my leadership experience over the last three and a half decades. It is about the discovery that takes you beyond an addiction to human approval into God's celebration of your uniqueness and how to be attractive, effective, and fulfilled as you. It will help you operate in the all-surpassing power of God so that going beyond your own ability, your future enlarges, benefiting many more that, than you could within your own capacity. These missing links will take you from good leadership to great leadership for the benefit of many. So the book's called The Missing Links to Great Leadership. So I have 15 here that I want to give away. So come and... There you go. There you go, there you go. Supernatural, going, 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 going. Woo! Hungry leaders. Hungry leaders, Gideon. So good. Catherine, one of the pleasures being here at this time is also to meet Gideon's mom, Yvonne. Now I can see why he is what he is. You know what Yvonne said to me? She said, I think you like me. I said, I like you a lot. You are easy to like. She is such a delightful woman. I mean, you know, <clears throat> I've been around a little bit, but she's a little bit longer than me. Not much, a little bit longer than me. And I know that her and her family and her husband, they, have, they ministered into nations. They paid all kinds of prices and sacrifices because they love Jesus. And when you're in the front line and the bullets are flying all the time and there's opportunity to get wounded and traumatized, but your affections for Christ capture you and you become a prisoner to his purpose and you die to all your own personal options and you live with single-mindedness for the purpose of God, you can get hammered and you can get disappointed. And if you're not careful, you can become incredibly poisoned by, cynic, by being, becoming cynical and becoming critical. It's so easy to be cynical. It's so easy to be skeptical. It's so easy to be oppressed, unimpressed, and depressed. It is so easy... You just, just have to be passive and not guard your own heart with all diligence and stand in Christ and live in the power of the anointing and refuse to become offended and bitter. I've got a whole sermon called How to Be Offended and Enjoy It because that's the pathway to promotion. God will promote those who can deal with offense and delight in insults, hardships, and difficulties because grace is sufficient for you. And this lady has no signs of bitterness or, or any offense, but just a sweetness and a love for Jesus and a love for God. And sitting next to her in the whole conference has been such a delight to see her the way she's responding to the Word of God. That's our goal, ladies and gentlemen, to be like 
<laughs> Gideon's mother to do all of that, to go through all of that, to live that way and still come out with the perfume and the aroma of Christ. That is fantastic, man. I love young people. I love to see them starting out. And that's a fantastic thing. But I can tell you this. Uh, don't be overimpressed by the young or the old. History will tell the true story. When we look back, we'll see those that started with great passion. But let's see those who continue decade after decade after decade after decade, growing and increasing in their first love for Jesus. Absolutely captured by Him and who He is. Chad, he started off a sermon yesterday talking about, you know, he's pretty in control of his emotions. And when he needs an emotion, he just pulls the tool out of his pocket and triggers that emotion. And I just thought, man, that's amazing. That's incredible that he could just do that. And as he was preaching and he started to talk how lovely and wonderful Jesus is, I saw him starting to blub like a little baby. <laughs> I thought, did he just pull that tool out right then? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I love it. I love to see men cry. It just makes me happy. Jesus could cry. He liked crying. I like crying too. I cry a lot when the Springboks play the All Blacks. But <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So isn't it wonderful that Jesus identifies with you and me at our very worst so that we can be identified with him at his very best and that there's no heart into the favor and the goodness of God that we cannot ascend into because there was no depth into depravity and darkness that he refused to descend to on our behalf. This is the simple gospel of the kingdom. And on this side, you can have the name of Jesus and there your name can be or my name can be. And under your name is all the sins that you've done from the time you were born, uh, which is very difficult to sin right away when you're born. But from the time you're born to the last breath you took, every one of those sins is listed in meticulous detail. And no one needs to know about them. And there they are. Some have got long lists. I keep telling Glenda, her list is much longer than mine. But anyway, on the other side... <laughs> I hope she's not listening live. But anyway, and, and, and on the other side is Jesus' name. And then the long list of all the perfect obedience. He fulfilled the law because he was motivated by love for his father. And he did everything perfectly. He obeyed in every circumstance. He was hated. He was offended. He was lied about. He was attacked. He was betrayed. And all through that, he was faithful and loyal. And his heart was pure and clean. And he was never a sexual predator. And women felt safe with him because he was clean and perfect. And all of his life was perfect obedience. And here's my list of long sins all the way through to I die. And here's your name and my name there. And on the cross, God changed the names. And he put your name over here and put Jesus' name over there. And Jesus canceled all that long list of sin. He just took them all away and absolutely obliterated. So an omniscient God who knows everything can't remember your sins, not because his memories become a little bit feeble, because there is a total obliteration. Your sins don't exist anywhere in the universe. So God remembers your sins no more. Because this side is taken care of because Jesus' name was put over that. 
And on this side, when Jesus rose from the dead, you inherited his righteousness and all the credibility and credit of his perfect obedience all the time. Now that's the gospel in a nutshell. In other words, you were co-crucified with Christ. You were co-buried with Christ. You have been already co-raised with Christ. You have been co-ascended with Christ. You have been co-seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You are a co-equal heir with Christ. And you are a co-worker with Christ in the earth today. Come on, give the Lord a shine. Give the Lord a clap. So, I... I want to talk just a little bit about, about the simplicity of living a supernatural life, but be natural about it. Be naturally supernatural and supernaturally natural. You now, some people are just supernaturally unnatural. And, 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 and how many, God is calling us to redeem the supernatural into sanity. You know, Jesus didn't do weird things. Jesus didn't act funny. Jesus would go to the best parties and turn the water into wine. And he was, he was like, he didn't walk around like a big celebrity. And he, he, he didn't just talk about weird, strange, obscure things all the time. He was, he was so human. He was such a man. I mean, he had to get, he got tired. He went to sleep in a boat. He sat down at a well. He just needed to eat food and he needed to go bathe and he needed to go to the bathroom. The toilet did number one and number two. He was so human that he was tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. And his example is just so magnificent that I can see a man that is fully God, yet all of his divinity is restrained within his humanity. So all he's walking in last, as last Adam's second man. And he's the only mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, at the right hand. And, and he did things supernaturally, but he did them so naturally. And it didn't make a big fanfare. He just got on with it. And I want to talk about that because he says that anyone that believes in me, how many of you believe in Jesus? Yeah, okay, just most of you. Anyone that believes in me, so this is, your, this is, this is who you are. Anyone, truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who believes in me, the miracles that I do, the works that I do, shall you do also, and even greater works, because I'll go to the Father and I'll pray the Father, he'll send you the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to do stuff. So we've, we've been dealing with one and a half thousand years of dark ages with all kinds of weird religious practices. So we just early in the stage, 500 years after the Reformation, we started to come out and really begin to understand our identity, understand the message of grace, understand what the anointing is, what the realms of the glory are. We're learning to flow in these things. And we're still in the early stages of this. But I believe that in 218, uh, there's going to be an acceleration and an increase and so we need to be prepared for this. So I want to just talk a little bit about some of the dynamics, some of the emotions you go through when you are faced with supernatural challenges um, and when you're doing certain things. Just a little bit of, you can get a little insight into my, my limited experiences, but I think it can help some of you here today. Just how you and I need to get over ourselves and realize God has called us, God has anointed us. Chad and I were talking late last night that you don't always feel very anointed. You don't always feel like you're so great, but you just get on with it because you know the truth. Come on, can you say amen? amen. 
And so I want to read you a passage of Scripture. First time I'm reading from Scripture in the conference. Normally I've just been quoting Scripture to save time. But I want to read a passage of Scripture to show you that the grace message must be confirmed with signs, wonders, miracles, and healings. And so when I go to America and I teach on grace in the United States of America and the power of God flows and healings take place and miracles manifest, many of the leaders in America who preach the grace message say, please come and teach us about faith and the anointing and the glory because we get lots of teachers who teach on grace, but they don't teach us how to see grace manifest in power demonstrations, in healings and supernatural things because one miracle gets the attention of many, many people. Can you say, Amen. So I want us to look at Acts chapter 14. And I want to see, I want you to see this opposition when you step out in the supernatural, walk in your dominion, walk in the authority God's given you. Don't be intimidated. The enemy is an exaggerator. When you're casting out demons, he'll try and exaggerate his, his power. He's absolutely feeble and finite. Don't get intimidated by opposition. But let's just read the scripture. And I want you to see that they operate in boldness and they operate in uh, the, 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 the grace of God. Why don't you just lift your hands right now and say, Father, give me revelation. Now, I, I, I don't want it to be an ego thing, but I just want in humility to so honor the Lord Jesus that I want to do the works he did. I want to re-represent Jesus in the earth. And Lord, you know how inadequate most of us feel. You know how weak we feel. You know how unspiritual we feel at times. Lord God, you know how unqualified we feel at times, but we believe in grace. And so you've qualified us through grace. And we, we just sit here with our hands up in the air and say, here am I. We're like Isaiah. We, we, we just say, Lord, here I am. Send me, Lord. Show me your ways that I can see your glory manifest in Christchurch and in New Zealand and beyond New Zealand in Jesus' name. Let's just read this. And, and it, it says the apostles, yeah, but don't misunderstand why it's saying the apostles because these are the frontline pioneers. They're the first to arrive in these regions. That's why they're the ones doing the miracles. But once churches are planted, all the believers start moving in miracles. Amen? So don't see apostles doing this. They are, they are breaking ground. But once the church is planted, other believers rise up and begin to move into this ministry. So let's, let's read it. <clears throat> I'll just read it with you. This is the Passion Translation, by the way. When Paul and Barnabas arrived at Iconium, the same thing happened there. They went, as they always did, to the synagogue and preached to the people with such power that a large crowd of both Jews and non-Jews believed. Some of the Jews refused to believe, and they began to poison the minds of the non-Jews to discredit the believers. Yet Paul and Barnabas stayed there for a long time, preaching boldly and fearlessly about the Lord. Many trusted in the Lord, for he backed up his message of grace with miracles, signs, and wonders performed by the apostles." The people of the city were split over the issue. Some sided with the apostles and others with the Jews who refused to believe. Eventually, all the opposition factions came together with the leaders, devising to a plot to harm Paul and Barnabas and stone them to death. That's what the Bible calls harming you, stoning you to death. When the apostles learned about this, they escaped to the region of Laconia, to the cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the nearby villages, and they continued to preach the hope of the gospel. In Lystra, Paul and Barnabas encountered a man who from birth had never walked. 
for he was crippled in his feet. He listened carefully. He listened carefully. Everyone say, he listened carefully. He listened carefully. He listened. He, the crippled man, he, he listened carefully. The crippled man who'd never walked, he listened carefully to Paul as he preached. All of a sudden, Paul discerned, Paul discerned, Paul discerned, Paul discerned that this man had faith. This man had faith in his heart to be healed. So he shouted, you, in the name of our Lord Jesus, stand up on your feet. The man instantly jumped to his feet, stood for the first time in his life and walked. When the crowd saw the miracle Paul had done, they shouted in their own language. So, I have seen people healed that didn't want to be healed. And I've seen people die who wanted to be healed. And that messes with your head. For the Afrikaners, it's Michael Metjokopo. <laughs> and as a young pastor, I had no mentors in the supernatural. I was exposed to Kenneth Hagin in 1991 and I had an impartation that totally changed my life. And that's the anointing I've been running on and increasing in for the rest of my life. And no one trained me in the supernatural because once the power of God comes on you, you just start knowing what to do. So what I'm going to do is activate and talk a little bit, Joe, but you'll, it'll be imparted to you in different ways. And uh, if you're sick here today, you can be healed here today. Come on, say amen. amen. But this is for all, all of you miracle workers of God. Come on, say Amen. Most of you, if I asked you to raise your hands, have, has God used you to heal anybody? Many of you would raise your hands already. I know that's the truth. So, so the, the reason why some people get healed and they've got no faith and other people die and they want to live and there are people like I know people that wanted to die and go be with their husband and, and, and they, wouldn't, they didn't want any prayer, but they got completely healed because those are the sovereign gifts of the Holy Spirit that operates sovereignly, that you don't need anyone to have faith. You don't need to have faith. And that happens on occasion. But friends, that's a dangerous thing to just rely on the gifts of the Spirit because you don't know actually how God sovereignly manifests those. Sometimes He does, sometimes He doesn't. In most of Catherine Kuhlman's meetings, people were healed, sitting in their chairs, unbelieving atheists that came to criticize her, had a new eardrum put in the ear, and they would come up all embarrassed and Testify. And that's one of those mysteries that you and I will never understand until we stand before God. And when by the time we get there, it won't even be relevant. But you just got to know that so it doesn't smoke or met your couple. It doesn't confuse you that there are people that get healed without faith. They're unbelievers. They don't even believe, unbelieving believers. Some of them just get healed of the most terrible diseases, terminal diseases, and they had no faith and they had no love for Jesus and he just healed them. I don't understand that and I know you don't understand that and I've never met a person on the planet that understands that. So notice here, Paul the Apostle did three things and the man that got healed, he did three things. Number one, Paul preached the Word of God. 
And the Bible says, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is released in your spirit. Faith is activated as you hear the Word of God. Unbelief leaves your spirit or your, not your spirit. Unbelief leaves your soul. Unbelief leaves your mind. Traditions of men leave your mind and leave your soul as the Word of God's being preached powerfully. The faith comes when you just hear the Word of God. The, the, the faith cannot operate without a revelation of the will of God. And when, and when the word is preached and they preach the message of grace and they would have been telling this man, God's good, God loves you. Jesus has already taken away all your sins, all your sicknesses, all your diseases. He's already carried it away at the cross. And he would just heard good news, good news, good news. And we, in, when we first planted our church in 81, we saw so many gifts of the Spirit operate. I got used to seeing miracles happen without faith happening. And we used to have the whole sports club of local universities bring all their rugby injuries and they'd be in Plaster Paris and they'd arrive and, I, and the power of God would just hit the place and I'd just run through the place and, and there'd be like a, a whip cracking in the supernatural atmosphere. And I'd just cut the plastic Paris off. Shows how long ago it was, plaster Paris. And just people would be healed, broken, kind of just rugby, yeah, and just cripples. And it just was so powerful because the gifts were operating. And then the, our, man, our, our administrator asked me to come and pray for a mother, top businesswoman in, in the country, very wealthy lady. She was probably in her 60s then. And so I went there with a friend and, and I thought, well, this is going to be easy. The gifts are going to operate. I got in the room. There was no gifts, no worship team, no atmosphere. And the lady was really twisted and grumpy and angry in her wheelchair. She'd been in a wheelchair, totally crippled for eight years. And she just despised me because I was a young man. And she was like, like, come on, hurry up, you know. And she said, my priest told me that God put me in this wheelchair and God gets glory out of me being in the wheelchair. And I just, I'm just going, oh, Lord, what do I do? Yeah, anytime, Holy Spirit, come, just pull in, Holy Spirit, just do that thing you do. And there's no manifestation of the gifts. And it's getting worse and worse. And she's getting more belligerent and more aggressive to me. And I'm, eventually I lost my temper. Now I'm just going to tell you something, that God can use you. I think Jesus got angry sometimes. Come on now. I just lost my temper. I listened, after 15 minutes of being abused by her, I lost my temper. And I said, listen, lady, you're a grumpy old bat and you're not glorifying God in this wheelchair. And I said, I am a young man. And you know what, lady? I should be out there. I can see through your window to the coast. The surf's beautiful today. And I could be surfing out there, but I'm with you, you grumpy old bat. And, and, your, and your priest is educated beyond his intelligence. You say that you get glory going to your bridge club in your wheelchair. What happens if Jesus caused you to rise up and walk today and you walked into your blooming bridge club next week and said, Jesus did that? She said, well, maybe that would give a bit of glory, but... So I, I'm just saying to you, be real. Let, when your emotions are rising up like that, pull it out of your toolbox and use it. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you because you feel it. And sometimes Christians, we're living with such suppressed emotions because of political correctness. And we think that Christianity is just nice people meeting on Sunday with other nice people to learn how to be nice. <laughs> I mean, we are following the Jesus that walked into a temple with whips and kicked over tables and cracked whips. My father's house is not. 
And what's Jesus is the modern church following? I lost my temper, not because I'm an angry young man, but because God loves this lady and she's been lied to by that priest. Maybe he's a good man, but he's lied to her because he was taught that way. And I didn't know what to do. And then I remembered Acts 14, Paul preached. So I said, lady, do you believe the Bible? She said, oh yes, from generations to revolutions. I believe the whole thing. So I did step one of Paul, what Paul did. I just followed what the apostles did. I started in Genesis, the first healing Abraham with Abimelech, whatever. Abimelech, Abimelech. I just started there and I, 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 I gave every healing. I showed how all of Israel came out. Everyone was healed. No, no feeble amongst them. I just showed mass healing individually. I got to Isaiah 53. I talked about the cross and by stripes you were healed and la, la, la. And I said, you still believe the Bible yet? And I went through and then I got to the gospel, showed Jesus, healed them all. He never turned one away. And I went through there and, and somewhere about hour and 15 minutes in, I saw and I discerned faith. In this grumpy old bag. <laughs> I saw faith in her eyes. Then I saw, after the faith, then I saw anger in her eyes. And I thought, she's got faith and she's angry. I said, you've got faith and you're angry. She said, I'm so angry with my priest for telling so many lies to me. You've shown me from the Word of God. I said, lady, you've got faith. She said, Yes. Like she'd had it all the time. But she didn't have faith. But faith came by the hearing. No gifts of healing. No gifts operate. When faith comes by the hearing of the Word, the anointing on you has got a target to go like a heat-seeking missile to. But if there's no faith from the Word, the anointing on you has got nowhere to go. It's not magic. When you just come up in a healing like this, heal me, and they're all passive. If the gifts don't operate, they're going to stay sick, friends. They've got to come up with faith. They've got to hear the will of God. In the, they've got to hear the message of grace. They've got to hear it's God's will to heal you. It's 100% His will to heal you. It's His 100% to save every person on the planet. But many don't get saved because they don't believe. And how will they believe unless they have a preacher to tell them? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we've got this passive idea that, you know, people can just come up like this passive, full of unbelief. That grumpy old lady, if I'd laid hands on that condition, she would have just got worse. Or I might have just pushed her down the stairs. <laughs> but I got aggressive in the spirit. I exercised authority. I exercised dominion. Because here's the administrator of our church. This is her mother. And I was needing my administrator to continue loving me. And so I wanted the mother to be healed so that she would continue serving the church. And she's still alive today and loves me very much. The daughter. The mother's gone. She's with Jesus listening to the sermon. In the great cloud of witnesses. So I said, you got faith? And she said, yes. So I said to my friend, Granville Jackson, let's lay it. We prayed Literally, these are New Testament prayers. Most of them are never more than five seconds. If you set the condition upright, you should not need 20 minutes. Oh, please get healed. Oh, Jesus. Oh, and just introspecting and analyzing what lineage and ancestral curses. And There's nothing like that in the new covenant. They preached the word with authority, with boldness, and God confirmed His word with signs following. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
And so we just said, in the name of Jesus, we break the spirit of infirmity off you and we command you to walk and stand up in Jesus' name. And I said, lady, you want me to help you? And she said, no. (laughs) And she just grabbed the side of her wheelchair and went, If you did a press-up like Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been proud of with his skinny little crow-like arms. She stood up and she walked. And I just grabbed and hugged it. Granville, my friend, I said, it worked, it worked, it worked. It worked. And she, she, she came to our church because she didn't come to our church. She went to a priest's church. But she came to our church a few weeks later to show that it was still in flow. And she came and stood up in the pulpit and she told people how this young man of your pastor came here and insulted me. <laughs> and I needed to because he provoked me. Like Jesus slapped the Syrophoenician woman and said, I haven't come for the dogs. And it provoked something in her. Passive people need to be slapped in the spirit. Just break them out of their passivity and self-pity and victim mindset. It's not fair. This is not a South African culture. This is a kingdom culture. It's a lot of South African culture I had to get delivered of. I I went in Australia in the place of Brisbane with a guy, uh, Leo. He called me. I was leading the church in Australia. He said, Rob, I hear you seeing people get healed and come out of wheelchairs and coastlands and miracles are happening. And Chris Pringle Phil Pringles writing letters to us and say, go Rob in the Coastlands Church, you're making us proud as believers in Christ. Australia's seen miracles coming onto secular TV from your church in in Adelaide. Just so awesome. So Leo says, come down to Brisbane, to our church, I want you to pray for the sick. I said, yeah, I'll come on this condition, Leo. I'll do Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If people want me to pray for them, I want them in all three meetings. Because this man listened carefully. He didn't sit in the toilet and come out when the prayer line was there. Because it's not magic. It's a science. Faith comes by hearing. And when faith rises in them and you discern it, then the anointing on you has got a target it can go to. But if there's no target it can go to, it stays on you, the anointing. I know when it's leaving me. And I know when it's going in. I said, look, I'm going to be tough, Leon, because I just, I'm so tired of people thinking healing is magic or just by the gifts. It's by the gift sometimes, but many people it has to be by faith, especially for believers, because healing is the children's bread. And so he said, okay, I'll make that condition. So we had people, and I taught on healing Friday, all the way through Saturday, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. And people sat there all the way through it. And I didn't pray for anyone. They, people just want to come up and get these little emergency prayers. I said, oh, I've got, I've, I've, your pastor has given me his word. If you re- Listen, people are going to line up in hospitals for hours, days, go for operations, go into medication that off kill. Some of the medication people are taking is worse than the problem they've got. They're willing to do everything. But when it comes to this, it's all hit and miss and just magic. We've got to break that off the church. And so they, I wouldn't pray for anyone. I said, well, you know, I can't make it tomorrow. I said, what do you got on tomorrow? I'm going to go watch rugby. I said, go watch your rugby, but I'm not praying for you today because I'm tired of seeing people 
put the healing power of God on such a low level priority and put everything else on a big priority. And sometimes you have to be tough and just give people a slap and say, we're not playing around with the supernaturals of God. And so at the end of that three days, Sunday morning, they lined up right across the front of the hall. And I'll tell you what, I just went down. If you, don't, if you don't preach the word, you might get 20%. That's about the average. Two out of 10 get healed. Average around the world. We had 80% healed that morning. I, I just went down the line. As I touched, pow, transaction. Anointing had a target. Pow, transaction. Pow, transaction. Five second prayers. Came to a lady in a wheelchair. Touched her. Pow, transaction. She's still in the wheelchair. Someone else, nothing happened. Someone else, nothing. Pow, transaction, transaction. Then I hear the lady in the wheelchair screaming, crying. She, she says, oh man, I, I had peripheral blindness. I can see. I'm so amazed. I can see. I didn't ask them what you need healing for. If they've got faith, the anointing knows what they need healing for. I don't need their medical history. It just puts you unbelief in you. Don't ask people what they, don't ask them their medical history because they love telling you the gory details because they have been so immersed in the idea of sickness. But when you preach the word to them, it renews their thinking and releases faith. Are you guys still with me here? There were some of the most amazing miracles that happened that morning and none of the gifts operated. That lady came out of that wheelchair. Her peripheral blindness was healed. Then she came out of the... I said to her, lady, you need to come out of this wheelchair. She said, no, my husband doesn't want me to come out of this wheelchair. I said, what kind of husband you got? Are you married to the devil? She said, almost. But no. She said, no, no, um, we get special benefits so my husband can stay at home and he doesn't have to work and he can look after me. So he doesn't want me healed because he'll have to go out and get a job. So I said, well, it's time he got a job. Come out of that wheelchair, lady. She got up and walked. And Leo called me the next day. He said, she went to the doctor the next day and she walked into the doctor. And he was absolutely shocked. And she said, Jesus healed me. He preached the word. He preached the word. The band listened carefully. Then Paul discerned faith. When I preach in a congregation, I don't just preach like out of touch with what's happening in the audience. I'm feeling all the time pockets of faith. Glenda and I in a place outside of London. A lady had been in a wheelchair there for three days while we're preaching. And on the third day, my spirit was being pulled to that wheelchair. And Glenda came to me and said, Rob, I just feel like pulled to that wheelchair because because faith has a pull on you. You can feel it. It's just faith starts pulling on you. And we went up to that lady who was in the last stages of chronic, um, where the myelin sheath disappears. And it's just, just, it's just terrible. Anyway, she got out the wheelchair and walked. But anyway, God just brought her out in a miraculous way. Because faith. So Paul discerned he had faith to be healed. And thirdly, Paul commanded him. Didn't pray for him. Oh, Father, please, in Jesus' name. He said, get up and walk. Shout at him. Get up. The, the man, the crippled man, he did three things. He listened carefully. And that's what we have a very bad situation in our world today because people are overstimulated by social media. They can't even have a dinner together without all looking on their phones, a whole dinner. 
So we just got artificial, superficial relationships. And people are so overwhelmed by information that when the living Word of God is being preached, they're not listening. They're getting in the toilet. They're so distracted. But as soon as the prayer line, everyone's here. The magician's going to, the guru's going to wave his magic wand over me. No, he's not. He would slap you. <laughs> he could call you grumpy and go back to your chair. Now, I'm not that way. I'm actually a very nice guy. Ask my wife. <laughs> Because she's very clever and very discerning, very intelligent, very beautiful, and she loves me totally. <laughs> so, let me just give you another little hint. Um, oh, I wish I could do more on that, but anyway. Oh, 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 no, he listened carefully. I've forgotten the third one, second one. What's the second one, Chad? No, he, he, he listened carefully. Because he was listening carefully, faith rose in his heart. You can't listen casually and have faith to make contact with miracle power to make crooked ankles straight. You need faith to attract the power. The power is always available. The anointing is always on me. The anointing is always on you. And it will manifest when faith is in your presence because it wants to go for a purpose. So the anointing is not flowing and then it stops and then flows and then it stops. The anointing is available on top of you. And as soon as faith, the words produce faith in someone, that anointing has a target to go. So he listened carefully. Faith is not a mental ascent. It's not an intellectual agreement with the word of God. That's, that's not faith at all. Faith is a spiritual force. It's an actual substance that gives substance to your hope. You hope to be healed. Hope is always future. It's never gonna happen. One day in the future, I'll get healed. That's hope. But faith is the substance of the thing you hope for. Once he heard the word, he got the substance for his hope to manifest. And thirdly, when Paul said, get up on your feet, he didn't sit there going, I can't. Can't you see, you idiot? I'm a cripple. He got up. He was aggressive. He did it. Amen. Now, just very quickly, um, there's so much more I'd like to talk about those kind of things, but that's fine. I think you've got it. You've understood the principle here that every one of us can heal the sick if we just set up the right biblical conditions for them to be prepared. Every one of us can take a couple of scriptures and read it to people and preach it to people. If people in the hospital and they say, I need healing, will you come and pray for me? Say, all right, are you gonna die today? No, no, I've got a couple more days or a couple more weeks. Then send them some CD recordings of clear faith preaching on healing and ask them to listen to it before you go. And you get there and say, hey, did you listen to those? No, nah, it was interesting stuff on the TV. So okay, I'll come back in three days if you're still alive, but you listen to these things because prayer is not symbolic. It's not a religious tradition. Don't lay hands upon people cheaply. Otherwise, the church just gets confused. Why weren't they healed? And then we build theologies to legitimize the absence of the miraculous, and then those become traditions and strongholds that build more unbelief. Come on, can you say amen? amen? So when you're ministering to people, no pressure on you. You should not let all the pressure come on you. That person should not put all the pressure on you. You should put some loving, gentle, gracious pressure on them to receive the seed of God's Word, to generate a supernatural source, 
a force, a substance called faith. That faith, when faith rises up, it's so easy to grab hold of the anointing and just pull it in and just take it. Now, quickly this, when you are dealing in the supernatural and praying for the sick and miracles, you're always gonna come to a place where demons manifest. So I wanna quickly say something here about the grace message. Do not be frightened when demons manifest because when they manifest, it's, too, it's exaggerated and they're trying to frighten you. They're trying to make you go into the flesh where you start going, ah, yeah, you're and that people just are screaming at demons. Now they're too scared to come out because everyone looks so angry. <laughs> you don't need to ask what their names are. Don't ask them what their names are. Who cares, man? What's your name? I'm a lying spirit. Yeah, are you telling the truth? <laughs> Don't ask demons their names. Only happened once with the wild man of Gadarenes and I can't have time to tell you all of that. Jesus cast him out, said, shut up and come out of him. And they marveled at his authority because under the old covenant, they never cast one demon out. And before, before Jesus, no demons were ever cast out. Because after the cross, we have authority to cast demons out. Before the cross, check your Bible. No demons were cast out. When David played his harp, demons left Saul, but then they just came back. They didn't have kingdom authority to cast out demons. So when Jesus arrived and he goes to the synagogue and the guy's been going to synagogue for years and how many demonized people are going to church for years under the New Testament, they bring the demons in and they take the demons out. And the demons love going to church. There are people carrying passengers to church. They could get discount for bulk buying. <laughs> some multiple personalities is chemistry and whatever, but some multiple personalities are multiple entities. If you're born again, the demons can't possess your spirit at all, your new creation, but they can oppress you from the outside. And for unsaved people, demons do possess them and oppress them. And when the anointing comes, it surfaces demons. They can hide in churches where there's no anointing. Or every Sunday in Hong Kong, we cast demons out of people. Sometimes we don't have to. We just say to people, if you're feeling agitated and you want to run out of here, if there's a demonic thing trying to get you out of here, you just stay here. And if you stay in this anointing long enough, that demon will run out of here without you. But there are so many demonized people in Hong Kong. And there are many demonized people in Christ's church that go to church. And many who don't go to church. And the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom of heaven has come to you. That's the sign of the authority of the new covenant. The kingdom people is the casting out. And now that's too old fashioned. Now, I don't suggest you do it every Sunday morning in front of newcomers who are here for the first time. But, but people get delivered of demons just in the worship, just in the anointing. But if they cause trouble, deal with them and get them out quickly. So this I close with because I must go. But I was at a men's camp. I'm not telling you the country some years ago. And if you carry an anointing on your life and everyone here who believes in Christ, you do. And if you came to that conference, you were activated in the anointing on you and the glory around you. And wherever you go, if there's demons, they're going to surface. It'll become normal. Just want to warn you, it's going to become normal. Don't be intimidated by them. They're liars and exaggerators and you have total authority over them. But I was at this camp and I was preaching. The power of God manifested at a men's camp 
And a young man, maybe in his early 20s, fell to the ground and started convulsing, and it was obviously a demon manifestation. Now, all the men ran around him and started screaming and shouting, in the name, And I just let it go on for about 10 minutes because I was a guest speaker, and I didn't want to act like I'm Mr. Know-all. And, uh, but I, I, the, the demons start hurting people and shaking them and embarrassing them. And it, it should be, come out. Don't, don't, let them, don't let demons shake people and embarrass them and humiliate them and make them slither around on the floor like snakes. That's not funny. That's not how Jesus says, just shut up, come out. Don't let demons hurt people when they're coming out. Make them go in the authority of Jesus' name, by the anointing. And so I got a word of knowledge. The Spirit of God told me, this young man's been watching pornography and he's addicted to it. And he feels that he's opened a door to the demons of uncleanness. And now he's got no right to get set free. And in my spirit, and the Lord says to me, he says, son, you know that before the cross, any sin could open the door to the devil. But after the cross, no sin can open the door to those that are in Christ because the cross closed all the doors. And Ephesians 4 says, give no place to the devil. And everyone quotes that, but it's totally out of context. Number one, he can't have a place unless you give it to him. And how do you give it to him? Lack of faith and unbelief in the cross. When you believe that you are redeemed from the curse of the Lord, the cross, and every principality and power and authority was disarmed and made a public spectacle and triumphed over, they have no more legal rights to operate in the earth because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. The devil's got no authority, no title deeds. So sometimes when people can't cast a demon out of someone, you need to go and speak to the person, not the demon. So I went to the pastor and said, can you just clear people away? Can I just have a few minutes? And I went and I just whispered in this young man's ear and I told him what the Lord had told me. And I said, is that true? He said, that's exactly true. And he started crying. I said, let me just tell you, young man, God loves you so much. God's for you. His blood's totally cleansed you. He's washed you from all of that sin. He's your deliverer. It's, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I said, are you ready to let that thing go now? He said, oh yeah. I said, in the name of Jesus, leave. He went, smile, got up, free. Next morning I went to see him after night's sleep. He said, Rob, I haven't felt this way for so long. Thank you so much. We just need to know a few little things. It's not about fanaticism. It's just do it naturally, supernatural. Let the grace message, not legalism, be confirmed. We've got a grace message. Let it be confirmed. Signs and wonders and miracles. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Oh, can I pray? Can Can I pray just for, just lift your hands. Father, I want to impart a release of the anointing to confirm the word I've just preached. And in every one of my brothers and sisters, uh, at different stages of their sequence into the supernatural, that Father, they will increase with wisdom, discernment, and their walk with you will be the empowerment that liberates many, many Kiwis and all other nationalities in this country into freedom, into grace, and into a spacious place. Lord, I thank you. This house, Harmony, is in harmony with heaven and bringing heaven into manifestation here on earth. I bless the royal priesthood of this house and all the leaders in Jesus' name. Amen.